You are now tuned in to the AddictedToSuccess.com podcast, where geniuses, entrepreneurs, and next-level game-changers share their juicy little secrets on achieving massive success. This is the advice you wish you heard years ago. Be prepared and take note as we expose the realness and the raw of what it takes to be successful on AddictedToSuccess.com. Alrighty, so we have Adam Poswalski here today. Adam is the author of The Quarter Life Breakthrough, which is uh, on Amazon right now, so you can pick that up. And Adam works with a lot of millennials and and is a big believer in uh, chasing the entrepreneurial dream, which uh, I believe in too. If you're passionate about life and passionate about uh, anything in general, you got to really take it... uh, you know, life by the horns and really run with it. So Adam, it's great to have someone like you on the end of the line and let's get to know Adam Poswalski. Great. So Adam, you work with a lot of millennials. How did you get into this uh, lane and uh, what excites you about working with uh, young entrepreneurs? Sure. Well, thanks so much for having me, Joel. Um, What I uh, am passionate about in terms of working with millennials is that this is a generation that in the media kind of always gets portrayed as the me, me, me generation or an entitled generation. And I think that's actually complete crap. I think this generation is the complete opposite and is more of a, the purpose generation, a generation that wants to align their work with their purpose. The millennials and young people that I meet are not talking about just making lots of money or retiring with two homes and a big 401k or what they're going to do when they retire and they're 65. They're talking about making the world more innovative and sustainable and compassionate now. So they're talking about making their dreams come true now, not waiting for uh, success in the future, but actually going after what they believe in um, in the moment. Um, So I think that that's really important. And I kind of got interested in this because of my own story. I was working a job in Washington, D.C. for the federal government uh, in the U.S. um, about two and a half years ago, and I was stuck in a really bad quarter-life crisis. I was uh, working a job that on paper was great. I was making a pretty good salary. I had benefits, 401k. Everyone, when I went to happy hour, was like, oh, your job's great. Uh, You're killing it. You're doing great. And meanwhile, I knew that I wasn't happy. I knew that I was waking up every day doing a job that wasn't the right fit for me, that I actually hadn't found what I wanted to do with my life. And I was 28 at the time, um, which is young, but also old enough that you know a lot of people you think have it figured out. So it was really difficult for me to actually be in that situation and unhappy. And it was only when I met other millennial entrepreneurs um, and millennial innovators that were going after their dreams that I was able to be inspired to take my own leap and have my breakthrough. And how did you pinpoint your passion? How did you know for sure that was uh, something that you wanted to run with? Yeah, well, for me, it was kind of more of a journey. I think you know some people have this kind of epiphany or they read a book or they wake up one day and they're like, oh, I want to be an artist or I want to design websites or I want to start a company uh, that does this. Um, For me, I think it's more of a, I knew I wasn't happy what I was doing. I was working a very bureaucratic job um, in government and I knew I wanted to be doing more creative writing and I knew I wanted to be surrounding myself with young entrepreneurs. So it was more of an intention. And I didn't exactly know what that was going to lead to in terms of one passion or one calling. Um, I think I'm someone that has multiple callings and multiple passions, and I think that's okay. But I knew that I wanted to explore um, that intention. 
So I knew I wanted to move across the country to San Francisco. I knew I wanted to start my own blog. I knew I wanted to start writing. I knew I wanted to surround myself with these young people that were going after their dreams. So that's what I did. And that has kind of led to a, a journey now where I, you know, I wrote a book. Um, I work for a program called Hive, the Hive Global Leaders Program, which brings together um, the most uh, extraordinary purpose-driven leaders under the age of 40 uh, for a three-day conference every couple of months in San Francisco. Um, so I've actually, you know, I set out with the intention to do writing and I set out with the intention to surround myself with these young entrepreneurs and young leaders and, and that's what I'm doing. So it wasn't kind of like, oh, you know, this is my passion now. I figured it all out. It was more like, hey, I'm interested in this. I want to surround myself with these people. Um, that's what I'm going to do and we'll see what happens. And I think you kind of have to go with that kind of, um, here's my intention, here's what I want to be doing, here's the environment and the spaces I want to be uh, a part of, um, I'm going to be open to where it takes me, right? Yeah, yeah, 100%. And, you know, I, I believe as well that there's like a common misconception that, you know, you have one passion and that's it. And it's not true. It's You have multiple passions throughout your lifetime and it's okay to, you know, give something a go and then and then put it behind you to move to something else to kind of platform up. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think we live in a society that likes us, that wants us to kind of have one passion or pick one career ladder or make one decision or have one job or have one vocation. And I think that's just complete, uh, it's complete crap. It, it doesn't work, life doesn't work like that. If you talk to most people that are successful um, and most people that have, have made an impact in this world, they've had the most windy road you can imagine. Right, they've done one or two different things, three or four different things. They switch careers at the age of thirty. They switch careers at the age of forty. Um, they're constantly evolving, and they're treating their their career almost like a, a experimental journey of learning. Um, and I think we have to be lifelong learners, and think we always have to be exploring. That doesn't mean you have to quit your job every two months or six months. That's probably <laughs> not a good idea. Um, or it doesn't mean if you start a company and it's it's hard uh, to le to bail after six months or a year because everything is hard that's worth doing is hard. But it does mean that you have to be open to kind of having multiple interests and seeing where that takes you. Um, and I think the people that I've met that are most innovative and the most impactful are actually multidimensional. You know, so they they maybe are um, an engineer that's also an artist right? Or a CEO founder that also is a really good writer um, or a life coach, uh, personal development specialist that is really good with tech. Because when you have kind of these multi, you know, if you're multidimensional, you really are able to bring different people together. You're able to form partnerships. You understand different sectors. You understand how to build partnerships. You understand where other people are coming from. Um, and you can really start to, to kind of build a great community around you. Yeah, that's beautiful. Actually, you know, I was reading uh, somewhere recently where they did these studies on the brains of a lot of different people that had different careers and different um, things they specialized in, right? Different expertise. And they found that it was the, the businessman, like someone that was like a, you know, like a, um, you know, successful entrepreneur and then a musician and a world-class athlete. They found that those three they had the most efficient brain activity going on in their brain and they're saying that if you could kind of find that balance if you could you know practice uh you know playing music and then getting into some form of exercise that challenges your mind and your body at the same time and then obviously 
chasing your goals and and running with your career that uh, you're going to be running on you know at high levels. So when you said that you know people that are multi-dimensional, it reminded me of that situation, and I think um, it's important to test yourself in different areas to to see you know to spark that creativity and see how far you can really go. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I mean, I refer to in my book. You know, we have the kind of traditional career ladder mindset, which is kind of like you pick one thing, you know, you're, you're supposed to pick it maybe before you go to college or in college and you stay with that one thing for the rest of your life. Very few people with the exception of, uh, of, of very few professions and increasingly no professions in, in the current era just because the job market and, uh, is changing so rapidly with technology um, only have one ladder, right? They, they hop off for a detour somewhere, they travel, they, they start a company, they work for a, work for a friend, they have a, a side, uh, uh, side project going. Um, so they actually are having kind of multiple kind of little exploration. So I kind of refer to this as a more like a, a lily pad mindset. So instead of kind of jumping, instead of going up one ladder, um, it's more like jumping, jumping from lily pad to lily pad. And if you real, if you know the lily pads, that they're not like in one order. There's no like forwards and backwards on a ladder. It's like there's one way up. You're either going the right way or the wrong way. In in real life, it's actually like you sometimes have to go side to side. You sometimes go backwards, forwards in different directions. And as long as kind of you're jumping in a direction that reflects you know your purpose, um, what you want to be giving to the world, what's meaningful to you. Um, it's all good. You're going to learn something and it's going to get you closer to where you want to go. It might not be the exact perfect thing, but you're still going to learn something from that opportunity. Yeah, you're right. And, you know, a lot of the uh, millennials that you work with, you know, they, they are stepping into the unknown if they're going out there and experimenting and seeing what works for them and if something is really their passion. So what would your advice be on, you know, working with your fears or facing your fears? Yeah, I think fear is a fear is a really big thing that trips a lot of people up. Um, I know that I was scared when I was uh, thinking about quitting my job and moving across the country and taking a leap um, and kind of turning down, you know, salary for the rest of my life. It's really scary. It's one of the scariest things in the world to kind of jump without what's knowing next. But you know, I kind of uh, people really only regret the things they don't do, right? Yeah. No one tries something and is like, oh. Um, I regret trying it. People are like, look back and they'll say, you know, I, I wish I'd gone for that or I wish I'd tried to do this. So it's people regret the things they don't do. And it's also worthwhile to ask yourself, you know, what's the worst that could happen? You know, because I asked myself that um, back when I was quitting my job and I realized that, well, let's see, like the worst that happens is I move across the country, I start writing, um, you know, it doesn't really work out. I have trouble finding a new job um, and I have to go back to the job I had before which, you know, wasn't perfect and there were a lot of issues with it, but it was still a good job, right? And that's the worst that could happen, right? The worst is that you have to go back and you're like, okay, well, um, this didn't work out. And you still would have learned something in that, in that, you know, in time in between anyway. And that's the absolute worst that could happen. But the best that could happen is like infinite. The possibilities that could happen, the, the relationships I've met along the way, the opportunities I've had, it's, the possibilities are infinite. So it's like the opportunity cost is so great when you go for something you really deeply care about. That's right, yeah. And you've got to keep that positive mindset all the time because you never know what's around the corner. So you talk a little bit about getting your inner hustle on. So can you fill us in on, on this? Yeah, so I think uh, one thing, um, another misconception that 
uh, society has about millennials is that, you know, uh, they're the lazy generation or they're kind of, uh, they don't do anything. All they do is sit around and watch TV and are on Facebook. And the truth is millennials are on Facebook a lot, probably too much, <laughs> but they are, definitely, they are definitely not lazy. And the millennials that I've met and the millennials I work with are hustling and working harder than ever before. Um, so when I talk about hustle, this stuff takes time. It takes work. It takes education. It takes going back and, and learning new skills. Um, hustle is what makes people successful. You have to work hard. Having a quarter-life breakthrough is not easy. Um, so when I talk about inner hustle, I'm talking about kind of figuring out um, who you are and what you want and really taking the time to actually be vulnerable about what you're actually looking for and kind of figuring out your needs um, defining what's meaningful to you and then going out and making the right asks. So if you don't know what you need, you can't get what you want, right? Yes, um, yes. It's really important. A lot of times people are like, oh, I need to find a job or I, I, I'm stuck and you know, they don't have an ask, right? So it's like, they're like, well, I'm, I'm interested in this, but they don't, they don't exactly know what they're interested in or they don't exactly know what type of apprenticeship they're looking for or type of experience they're looking for. And it's really hard for people to help you if you don't have a concrete ask. Mm. So taking the time to figure out what your needs are is really important. The other thing I talk about in terms of hustle is self-love and self-care. Because if you don't take care of yourself, how can you help others, right? Mm, yeah. So if, if you're working 80 hours a week um, and you're miserable and you don't take time to exercise or meditate or eat well or spend time with your friends... Um, or be healthy, you're not going to be in a place where you can actually serve others. So practicing self-love, I think, is really important. And this is part of this inner hustle. You, you know, actually coming up with what your rituals are that make you better. You know, what do you need on a daily basis to feel like the best version of yourself? Um, you know, that could be eating a certain way. It could be exercising. It could be um, taking a walk by yourself in, in the park. It could be journaling. Uh, meditating, um, you know, taking time uh, to do, you know, an art activity that you like or, or taking photos or going out to coffee with a friend, whatever it is, taking that time is so important. Um, also, I think it's really important to constantly kind of be getting out of your comfort zone um, just all the time. So like going to a party where you don't know anyone, going to a meetup or a conference or event that interests you, but you're like, oh, I don't know anyone here. This could be kind of crazy. It could be weird. Awesome. That's good. Go, go do it. <laughs> um, you know, the people that uh, I've met that seem to have found things that they care about and find things that are going well for them are constantly kind of taking risks to go outside their comfort zone and try new things and experiment and launch projects when they're not quite sure what's going to happen, do a crowdfunding campaign. Uh, join a startup, whatever it is, it's kind of like, this is a little crazy. This could be like the, the craziest thing I've ever done, or I don't exactly know what's going to happen. I, I don't feel very comfortable right now. Like that's good. That's a sign that something's, that something's working. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't agree any more than that, man. That's uh that's a very great point for sure. What are your success habits or what do you feel is something that uh, has contributed to your success with your routine and habits there? Great question. Um, for me, I mean, personally, in terms of, of self-care, I'm, I'm a big proponent of, uh, of running. I run most days. I just find that that's a really important way for me to um, get my thoughts out and feel good. Um, I, I try to meditate most days. 
uh, as well in the morning and write in the morning. So I think writing for me, I, I'm a writer. Um, it's really important that I kind of have a daily ritual with writing in my journal. Um, some of that stuff doesn't necessarily go out to the public, but I'm, I'm writing every day and working those writing muscles. And I think that the um, habits, um, it's really important to kind of practice daily or um, almost daily rituals in terms of habits because that's how you get better. Um, and that's how you kind of train your brain and train your, your, yourself to always be doing them. Um, so that's been really important for me. Another uh, kind of just general thing that I think sets me up for success is just surrounding myself um, with believers, surrounding myself with other young people that are going after their dreams. Um, because when I was back in DC working a job that I didn't really want to be doing, I'd kind of constantly be telling people, like meeting people that would say like, oh yeah, you don't like what you're, you don't like your job, like suck it up. Everyone hates their job. <laughs> and that was really brutal. That's really depressing, right? Yeah. And now I surround myself with other people that are like, keep going, keep going. Like you're, you're doing great in your field, in your space, because they're the ones that are going to be like um, your kind of uh, your support system. They're going to be kind of the, the, the folks you can turn to when things are um, challenging and hard because they will be challenging and hard and you need supporters. You need believers on your team. So I talk about like um, one of the things I'm doing now is kind of revamp. Thing, um, my breakthrough advisory team, which is kind of a, a term I use in the book, um, but it's kind of like coming up with like your personal board of advisors. So in the same way, like a, a nonprofit or an organization or a company has a board, you know, five or six people that are advisors that, you know, um, help them gain capital or help them meet, um, really make pivotal relationships and partnerships and are also very connected um, and successful people that can be advisors coming up with a personal board of people that can help you get where you want to go. So usually that would mean people that are in the field you want to be working in, people that are maybe five to ten years down the road from you. Um, if you're interested in being a writer, people that are published or people that are doing what you want to be doing in five or ten years um, or people that you just respect, frankly, people that are just um, – mentors of yours or idols of yours or people that you really um, want to learn from because then you have these five people that you can always turn to um, and say, hey, like I'm thinking about making this transition or I'm thinking about doing this with my company or I'm thinking about doing this with my project. What do you think or who should I talk to, you know? Yeah, no, that's great advice. Um, my mentor actually told me something similar in the way of, you know, find someone that's 10 years ahead of you find someone that's on your level and then find someone that's 10 years younger that you can, you know, mentor yourself. And, um, yeah, it's, it's powerful stuff, man. The moment I started doing that, I could see for sure that, you know, it kept me in the game because you're testing like three different areas that uh, needs to be tested. Whereas like, you know, being a leader, um, finding people that are like-minded and then looking up to someone. So oh, that's great advice. Thank you, man. Thanks for sharing that with us. Um, what would you say would be the fastest way for somebody to uh, find their passion or at least have an idea of what their passion may be? I think the most important thing in terms of uh, finding things you're passionate about is to um, kind of figure out what your, the alignment between your gifts, what makes you unique, your talents, your skills, what you're really good at, what you really care about and the impact you want to have on the world. So what you actually want to contribute, what you're trying to change, um, 
what type of difference you want to make in the lives of others, right? So that doesn't necessarily mean you have to, you know, solve. It doesn't mean you have to solve poverty or affect the lives of millions of people. It could just mean you want to start in a restaurant that serves really healthy, delicious food to people in your community. That's great. But it's just thinking about where your gifts and the impact you want to have overlap. So I think that that's really important because a lot of times uh, when people talk about passion, they're like they're just talking about what they need themselves. Um, you know, which is great, but it's really important to think about how you can use who you are and what you have and what you're good at to impact others. And I think that's where people really find meaning and purpose is when they think about the impact and how they can um, interact with the world and what they want to give back to the world um, and contribute to others. Yeah, no, great advice, Adam. Thank you. So what would you say would be the biggest mistake that you've made in your life? Like something that you've pulled a great lesson from? Um, great question. I think as, as most people, I've made many mistakes. Um, but I think one of the biggest mistakes was really not asking myself what I wanted, um, through college and, and most of my twenties. Um, I'm really glad that I had, uh, the journey over the last, um, two or three years to figure out, um, what I wanted, but I kind of wish I was maybe more on this track, um, earlier on, right? So that, I really admire and respect people that are 17, 18, 19, 20 years old that have kind of gone to personal development programs or um, done fellowship programs or work with coaches to really figure out what they, who they are and what they want um, at an early age because I think that really shapes you. And I think that for most of my college and most of my 20s, I was kind of more thinking about what other people were doing, what was cool. Um, you know, what, what, you know, like what everyone, what my friends were doing and not actually who I was or what I wanted. Um, and I wish, you know, uh, that I'd spent most of more of the last 10 years really figuring out kind of who I was. Um, so it's not a mistake. I mean, it, 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 I mean, it's a mistake, but it's, you know, it's my journey has led me to where I am today. So I'm very grateful and thankful of that. But I think that, uh, if I could go back and do something differently, it would be to spend more time in college um, and more time in my early 20s on myself and working on myself and self-knowledge, self-exploration, self-discovery, um, which a lot of people are like, oh, like, I don't need, I know who I am. It's like, well, do you, <laughs> you know? Um, and I think we, more people need to work with, with coaches and more people need to work on, on personal discovery because you get to the age of 30 or even the age of 40 um, or even the age of 50 and a lot of people don't know who they are yet or what they actually want. Um, which I think is a shame. Yeah. yeah it's a damn shame. That's for sure. Yeah. Personal development's huge. It's, uh, you know, you've got to continue to grow. Otherwise you're not going to be happy. You know, you need to grow as a person and we need to keep uh, moving forward in life. So uh, that's great advice. Thank you. Um, what was that moment when you realized that you needed to work more on yourself? Like, how did that come about? Was there anything that kind of triggered that off where you were like, oh man, I need to like practice self-love more or, or was it just something that you slowly started to develop into? Well, yeah, I mean, I think I just kind of realized I was 28 and, and didn't know what I really wanted to do with my life. You know, um, I was doing great work, but I, I, I didn't know who I, what I really wanted. Right. Um, I was kind of filling out, you know, so we talk about success and, Success is important, but it's more important to define success and define success for yourself. 
because success is not just, you know, a certain level of pay or being in the cover of a magazine or, you know, having lots of uh, Twitter followers. Success is actually um, figuring out what you want and, and, and achieving that. It's, it's personal, right? So success for one person is going to be completely different than success for someone else. So I just realized that I was 28 and I had no idea what success meant to me because on paper everything was quite successful um, according to my parents or my coworkers or people I would meet at a bar. Um, but it wasn't – like you know when you're personally achieving or working towards something you care about. You know if you're doing that or you're not. Everyone knows that. That's just an internal clock. Uh, everyone wakes up every day and they know, okay, like – I'm, I'm working towards something I care about or I'm completely, I'm drifting or I'm somewhere in the middle. Um, that's, that's kind of a, a humanity, humanity knows that type of thing. And I realized that I wasn't, you know, I wasn't working on, on something that was, that was in my heart. Um, something that was coming from my heart. So I had to make that transition. Yeah, that's it. Follow your heart, follow your heart. That's for sure. Beautiful, Adam. Um, we were talking earlier about, mentors so what would you say has been the biggest lesson that you've learned from one of your mentors or the best advice that you've been uh, given by one of your mentors um well i think uh you know one uh one advice that i've you know one piece of advice that i i've heard from lots of people it's not one specific person but in general keeps popping up from a variety of people that i surround myself with is is fail early and fail often um, I think, um, especially for younger people, um, when the stakes are lower, um, when you're not, you know, supporting two kids, um, and have a mortgage, um, there's really an opportunity to take a lot of risks and, and fail early, um, and try things. Um, failure is, is, is actually where a lot of learning comes from. Failure is often where success comes from. Um, the people that are kind of failing constantly and, and keep failing and then iterating and, and getting things better are the people that find success. Um, so fail early, fail often. Um, also, you know, one, one thing that um, a buddy of mine told me that is, was kind of um, one of my accountability buddies in terms of when I was quitting my job, he was like, why would you be doing anything less than reaching your full potential in life? Right? Which is a very simple thing to say. Why would you be doing anything less than reaching your full potential in life? Um, and it really stuck with me cause it's like, why would you, <laughs> right? You have one life, um, you have one life to live. Why would you be doing something that's not, um, that's less than, than what you can fully give to the world and what you fully want to be and fully want to do? Um, it's really hard, but this is, this is your only chance. Um, and when I thought about it like that, um, everything kind of comes into perspective and you're just like, oh yeah, okay, I can do this. Right, because at least if it doesn't work out, or at least if I have to make a change, I'm I'm moving towards my full potential in life. So yeah, you got it. You got it. I like that. Fail your way to success. That's also awesome. actually um yeah. Recent, I think it was like last night or the night before. Uh, Kobe Bryant was actually just announced as uh, he hit a record of uh, the most missed shots in the NBA. And what does that show you? That shows you that yeah, no matter even though he's missed all those shots, he's also got a lot in too. So. <laughs> Perfect yeah, example, exactly. right? Well, yeah, that was the, uh, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Yeah. Right? Or uh, I, th I remember there was a Michael Jordan commercial back in the day that was, I've made 
you know, however many game winners I've made, how I scored, however many points I've won, however many championships on my own shot on, on me taking the shot. And I've also lost X amount of games and excellent, you know? Uh, so it's like, yeah, there you go. Like even Michael Jordan, even Kobe Bryant, like they're not going to hit them all, but they have to shoot them. You know, you have to go for That's it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So Adam, have you got any, uh, events or anything coming out? I know you just released your book, uh, not long ago. Maybe you could fill us in on that real quick and then, um, and then yeah, anything else that you have coming up? Sure. Well, um, yeah, the book, the quarter life breakthrough is available on Amazon, uh, paperback and Kindle. You can get it pretty much anywhere in the world. Um, you can also go to your local bookstore and request it. Um, and I'm also in London right now, uh, about to speak at hacking happiness. Uh, which is a conference about human potential, well-being, and performance. Um, so I'm really excited to be in London. It's my first time here um, speaking um, tomorrow, actually. Um, and uh, it's a really great event. I encourage anyone in, in London to check it out and uh, for other folks to check out the website, hackinghappiness.co. Um, uh, it's a really great event with some really interesting speakers. Um, so I'm excited to talk to a lot of people about kind of how we find happiness, how we reach potential. Um, I'm coming at it from the kind of more career uh, work perspective, but a lot of people are talking about it from a more uh, psychological perspective or um, self-growth or mindfulness, wellness perspective. So it should be a really great event. That's great. That's great. And uh, what uh, what books have you read in the past that you feel is, uh, you know, made a pretty big impact on your life? Oh, great question. Um, I, I read a lot. Um, I have a whole kind of resources section in the back of my book with um, suggested reading, but I'm a big fan of, um, of obviously Seth Godin's work, um, Chris Gillibau. Um, one of the books that really helped me in terms of writing this book was um, The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. Um, I highly recommend that. It's all about kind of uh, winning that inner creative battle that goes on in your head of uh, can I do this? Should I do this? Uh, what am I doing? But it's, I've read it like five times because it always keeps me going. Um, the Artist's Way is one of my um, favorite books. Um, I really love Brene Brown, um, Gifts of Imperfection, Daring Greatly. She's all about vulnerability and kind of being open and being real. And that's how people um, really end up doing great stuff. Um, so yeah, I love reading uh, a, a book that I really recommend um, in the career world for people that are interested in, in learning more about finding uh, meaningful work and fulfilling work is So Good They Can't Ignore You by Cal Newport. Um, that book is all about becoming really good at something, becoming a master um, or a craftsman or a craftswoman, uh, kind of really an expert in a field, an expert in a skill set as, as, a, as a tool of, of, of getting ahead. Um, because I think that he talks about how most of the people um, that have really found success in their careers um, are really good at something. So whether that means they're really good at coding a website or really good at public speaking or really good at baking bread or making a pizza, um, they're really good at something and they and they take pride in their work. Um, so they've spent, you know, kind of like the Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hour idea um, they spent, you know, well over 10,000 hours perfecting something or getting really good at something. So uh, I think that uh, that's a really good perspective. Great, man. Great. Yeah, they're a uh, good collection of books. It does sound like you do read quite a lot. I think I've read like half of them and and uh, I've got a lot more reading to do. 
Yeah, there's always more reading to do. Always, always nice. And uh, one more thing as well. Uh, I actually noticed, I saw, I, I think I saw the quarter life breakthrough on uh, like a crowdfund, like in Indiegogo a while back. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So that's how you put your book out, is it? That's how you got funding for your book? Or can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so, you know, I, um, there were a lot of, um, you know, when I was thinking about uh, writing a book, I, I knew I wanted to um, I wanted to get this book out in the world. And my book is about millennials that are kind of going after their dreams and kind of living life on their own terms, right? Yeah. So they're kind of uh, starting their own businesses, doing things their way. And I was like, well, if they're doing that and my book is about those people, like I should do that too, right? So I decided to do a crowdfunding campaign on Indiegogo to raise money for the book. So I raised um, almost $13,000 from over 500 supporters in 38 countries. So people all over the world, a lot of people I'd never met before, complete strangers. Um, and it was, I wanted to raise money to be able to pay for my editor and my designer and marketing and all that stuff. Um, and it was great because it really was a proof of concept. It was a prototype. It was a, I was able to kind of share the idea with the world before I even written the book. I hadn't even done most of the writing when I let, when I did the crowdfunding campaign, um, and yet people, which is pretty crazy that people go give you money for something that doesn't even exist yet. Um, but you know, the campaign was a way of kind of proving the idea and proving the concept. Um, and it, and it's, I think it's a great tool for people that are trying to get something off the ground, right? Yeah. Um, it's a great way to test an idea. It's a great way to build a community. So, so after that campaign, I had, you know, 518 people. That's 518 emails. Um, that's a start, right? And that's that's a community. That's a focus group. That's people that are bought into what you're doing. Um, that's those are customers. Those are people that care about you. Um, they could be, you know, um, kind of your allies. So it's it's a really great tool for building a community and and, and building um, a network around something you you want to do. So I really recommend it for people that are trying to get a business or a project or uh, book or, or anything, video, film, off the ground. Yep. No, that's great, man. That's great. And what is like maybe something that you felt like you kind of wasted maybe a bit of time on when it came to crowdfunding? Anything that you felt was like a bit of a waste of time that we should not do? <laughs> um, well, yeah. I mean, crowdfunding, is, there's, there's a lot of lessons learned in crowdfunding. I think that it's really important um, when you're crowdfunding to try to find um, communities of people that are interested in what you're doing that are really targeted. So like I spent a lot of time trying to get like big press, like, Hey, New York times, wall street journal, like you should look at my book, but they're not going to like really probably review or look at a, you know, self, a self published book that's kind of in, independent, but I really should have spent more time like going after like, uh, trying to find blogs about 20 somethings and millennials and, and blogs like yours where people were actually talking about these issues. So if, does that make sense? So it's really targeted approach in terms of, of marketing. And I think all too often when people ask me about getting press and, and press for their crowdfunding campaign, they want all the biggest press. They want to be on CNN and, and uh, BBC and NBC. And it's like those places rarely, if anything, ever cover crowdfunding campaigns unless they're like, you know, $10 million campaign, which is, you know, very, very rare. It's better to spend the time actually finding the blogs and the people that have much, have maybe a little bit smaller followings, but really passionate, dedicated followings on that subject, right? So if you're doing a campaign about, 
um, you know, a new coffee company finding like all the blogs about coffee, mm. right? Or people that love coffee if you're making a new coffee maker. Or for me, it was really finding out like finding all the 20-something millennial blogs about finding your passion, finding your purpose, and building a career on your own terms. I, I wish I knew that up front because I spent a lot of time on, on other stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. You got to kind of niche it up, right? You just focus on that niche. Yeah. Focus on the niche. Yeah, that's right. You uh, you had the chance to be part of the the Bold Academy, um, which is like a life accelerator program out in uh, San Francisco. So what did you learn from uh, hanging out there? Yeah, so I had the opportunity. I was actually the academy director for the Bold Academy um, in 2013. And Bold Academy um, brings together um, young entrepreneurs, young innovators, uh, 15 people to live in a house together for 10 days. Um, and we bring uh, mentors and speakers and entrepreneurs in to come and talk and all about kind of finding your life purpose and uh, exploring your passions. We also do yoga and meditation together. Um, and what I found is that incredible things happen when you bring people together under one roof. So, you know, like I think that increasingly with the internet, we have all these online communities and there's so much opportunity for connection. Um, and that's really great. Um, and there's a lot of possibility there. You can connect with people all over the world. But I think true transformation happens in person. I think true transformation happens when you get like-minded people together in a room and they're vulnerable and they share their stories and they learn from each other and they work on uh, overcoming their greatest fears. Um, and they, they kind of um, develop partnerships and allies and they become greater, greater people because of in-person relationships. So I'm a big big proponent. I think, I think online is a part of it. I think you can have a lot of impact online, but I think you also need that in-person touch. So whether it's co-living, co-working, um, going to meetups and community nights, uh, hosting potlucks and dinners at your house, um, going to conferences, events, um, or doing something like the Bold Academy, which is, which is a combination of a, a lot of those things, bringing people together in person is so transformational. Because it's just real, and it's there's there's nothing like hearing someone's story from with them in the room, right? And then being able to ask questions, and then then sharing your story, and and kind of talking to people, and that's just there's nothing like that. That's right. Yeah, connecting and and building a network is a huge and and crucial part of uh, becoming successful too. So, yeah, that's a great point. And I so are you are you big on vision boards? Do you believe that vision boards are, you know, something that you should implement into your game plan to to success? I am. I have an exercise in the book uh, about vision boarding. You know, when I first, um, I joke about it in the book because I came home to kind of my my roommates in D.C. Uh, I live with um, uh, several women in D.C. and they were like, "Hey, we're making vision boards," and I was like, "Oh, this is so silly. You're cutting out pictures of a magazine. Like, this is like." you know, you must have saw this on an Oprah episode. This is like ridiculous. Like I'm going to literally cut out a page from Glamour magazine, um, you know, and of someone like running on the beach, like, come on, like that's, that's complete <laughs> crap. But you know what? Like I actually, so I like avoided it for like two weeks. And then one night I sat down with them and are like, all right, let's, uh, let's uh, make a vision board. Um, and I did it and everything on my vision board came true. So, you know, um, you know, it may sound silly to, to cut pictures or words out of a magazine, but the point is if you write down 
um, your goals and you write down things you care about, they might happen, right? If you don't write them down, they won't happen. Yeah, that's it. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a main thing for goal setting. Um, you have to write down your ideas. You have to write them down and, and agree to them and say, okay, this is what I'm moving towards. And if you don't have that kind of on one sheet of paper or um, in a journal, um, you, you, probably won't, you probably won't get there because it's not real. No, that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, write it down every day if you can, right? Yep. Yeah, I know a lot of people that write down whether it's you know, the three things they want to accomplish that day. I think that's good. And that what are their three main you know, big picture goals for the month or for the, what they're working towards I think is really useful. Just put it on a post-it in front, on top of your desk. Yeah, nice, nice. Okay, Adam, so the uh, question that we have right at the end of uh, every interview we do on Addicted to Success is you know, if you were to deliver your last 30-second speech ever to uh, a room full of millennials, what would your 30 seconds sound like? Oh, I love that. Um, so my 30 seconds would be this. Um, so we are not the me, me, me generation. Uh, we are the purpose generation, and we will be engaged with our work because we have to. The challenges facing our generation and our children's generation are simply too serious to ignore. So we can't be stuck in a quarter-life crisis or a midlife crisis because the stakes are too damn high. So take the time to figure out who you are and what you want and go after your dreams because the world is depending on it.